So imagine that you have an attractive girl and a variety of relatively high status men are chasing her. Now you might ask, well, how do they evaluate her status? And I think they evaluate her status by her ability to say no. So imagine, you know, a high status person offers himself or herself to you. If you're of lower status, you're gonna say yes right away. But one marker of higher status is, well, no, I don't need what you're selling. Yeah, but what I'm selling is great. Yeah, but I have so many offers that I'm not inclined to take your offer. It's voluntary no on the part of women that signals their status. And you see this, people are stumbling towards this realization even on the radical leftist front because they keep saying, no means no. And it's like, well, yeah, I wish it was that clear, but at a drunken frat party, what constitutes no is not self-evident. <laughs> oh, he's back. Listen, man, uh, this is that time of year where you see a lot of depression, a lot of loneliness, a lot of self-loathing, a lot of people feel like they're not worthy during this time. And this is why I decided uh, to do this topic. Well, of course, I had a little help. Again, like I said, every time I go into the cigar lounge, this topic was cultivated yesterday while I was there. Somebody had a conversation with me about it, and they wanted me to address uh, you know, the high-value man and high-value woman thing. So I said, okay, cool. Here we go. Listen, I... I, I If I die tomorrow, and sometimes I hope I do, but if I die tomorrow, let me, I'm dead ass serious. And I'm going to tell you, Andy, when you're as old a soul as I am, you get tired of dealing with other human beings. So let me just, let me get this out, Andy. (laughs) When you're as old as I am, man, lived as many lives been teaching for a long time. You get frustrated with humanity's resistance to spiritual evolution. Most of the people out here talking about relationships are talking about how to be comfortable in a toxic society. Right? They put fear over love. Well, how do you manage fear? How do you manage it? With resources. The resources are supposed to keep you safe. The more resources you have, the better off you are. Now listen to this topic, man. The prize dilemma. Right? What happens when you view yourself or your partner as the prize? Value for value. Why do we compete with each other's perceived value within intimate relationships? I really want you to think about it because we do. We think we're more valuable than our partner. Or we might think they are more valuable than us. What 
defines the prize? Do you know, Andy? What defines it? What makes somebody a prize in your life? A prize to be attained, to, to, to go after. Oh, this is the prize. What, what is the prerequisite for them being the prize for you, sir? Just a desire. Willingness. A willingness. I like that. I like that, Andy. If you can't be there for your friend or your significant other while they're at their most human, what is your worth really? <laughs> See, everybody want to talk about high value this and high value that. You know what makes a woman high value in her uh, early to mid 30s? She's beautiful. She's got a nice body. She has a nice job. She's educated. She's sweet. She doesn't have any kids. Right? But society basically says, hey, you start getting near that 35 mark, you start losing value. This is what society is telling you. So if society is telling you that, so guess what you're going to have? You're going to have women that date hypergamously. They're going to be dating up, not, and very few of them will be dating laterally. And, and even fewer might date down, right? So in this society, the woman with the most options, right, is the prize. She's valuable. Everybody wants her. You, you heard Jordan Peterson lay that out pretty flat, right? But you know I like to go deeper, psychological. Does your pain have more value than mine? <laughs> Sometimes when there's pain in a relationship, people tend to just simply focus on their hurt. There's no bi-directional understanding when you got two people that are hurting. Most people are saying, listen, I know you're hurting, but I can only do so much. I need to focus on my pain. Right. So there's a pain hierarchy. <laughs> Makes sense, though, the type of society we live in. Right. Right. Does that make sense? one 800 1580 The prize dilemma. What happens when you view yourself or your partner as the prize? Value for value. Most of our relationships are not egalitarian. Right. You love on me. I love on you. You pour into me. I pour into you. Most of it all is conditional, has stipulations. Right. Am I making stuff up? And Andy, does this sound crazy? Okay, cool. I just want to make sure that I don't sound crazy. Oh, God. Which makes a person more of the prize? Their resources or their internal source? 1-800-920-1580. Does a person's lack of confrontation with their shadow, inner childhood wounds, and insecure attachment styles make them less valuable than a potential partner who has addressed these issues, regardless of social status. Y'all want to get deep tonight? Y'all want to talk for real? Who told you you were worth more than your partner? And if nobody told you that, why do you act like that? Wait, we'll bring it back, Zoe. When parents tell their kids, I love you, you can do anything, I believe in you, I got your back, they are not simultaneously saying, 
You are worth more than everybody else. Maybe some parents say it outright. (laughs) But sometimes people get it a little twisted. Hmm? True or false? The comparison of each other's value leads to incessant toxic evaluation within relationships. I don't know. Are y'all listening? Does this make sense? True or false, the prize is typically defined as a person who has options. They have an intrinsic sense of self-worth and standards that they believe will be met. Therefore, they have no problem holding out for what they truly want. The prize is a relation uh, in a relationship has options and several potential partners competing for his or her attention. They have a healthy sense of self-worth, understanding their value, and are confident that anyone would be fortunate. Sounds like a little bit of narcissism built into the prize mindset, but okay. To secure a relationship with them. More importantly, other people recognize the value in a prize as a result (laughs) are fine with pursuing the prize. What makes you the prize? What makes me the prize? I want to know. I want to know. Do you have low self-esteem in your relationship? Do you have low self-worth? Do you feel like you're not the prize? Do you feel like your partner makes you the prize? Do you feel like the prize typically dates another prize? Or do you wind up getting a surprise? I'm just interested to know. 1-800-920-1580. When I come forward, I'm talking to the folks on the phone line. Let's get it. What a high-value woman does, a high-value woman is always willing to work on herself. She's always willing to get better. She know none, none of us are perfect, y'all, but she says, I'm willing to get better, and she's, she's not blaming every man that she's ever been with. She's not blaming him. She knows she has to take some responsibility. Maybe, maybe she wasn't the cause of the demise of the relationship, but she has to take responsibility for her part. And, and, and she's willing to grow. Y'all, a high-value woman is willing to grow, willing to get the knowledge that she needs. She's willing to grow and become, you know, and what do they say? Um, in Japan, they have this technology. It's called Kaizen. But Kaizen means continuous improvement. How many of you all have decided in your life that this year I'm no longer People don't understand that, though. Right. The brother is breaking down some good information. People don't understand. Do you know people will break up with you after you've gotten better? Because they don't value you. They value how you made them feel. And all they're really interested in is you making them feel good. See, you can make somebody feel bad. Right. But there's a lesson wrapped in it. They tend to grow up and mature through that difficult moment and they themselves get better. But they take their better tales on to somebody else because they associate you with the experience that made them feel bad. Do you see? We do it all the time. They don't really value you. 
They value how you make them feel. How you make them feel trumps everything. So on tonight's show, we're going to explore the question of whether a person's unresolved issues and attachment styles and all of that, you know, will, how that impacts their value in comparison to a potential partner who has, you know, not confronted their inner shadow or inner child wounds and developed a, you know, an insecure attachment. So we're going to talk about, you know, your comparative value and should you compare your value to your partner's value? I'm I'm really interested to see how y'all do this. I want to know if you guys do this in your intimate relationships. In intimate relationships, it is not uncommon for individuals to compete with each other's perceived value. This competition arises from very various factors, including societal expectations, personal insecurities, and a desire for validation. However, it is essential to understand that the concept of value in relationship is subjective and multifaceted. When we talk about value within intimate relationships, we often refer to the qualities such as emotional intelligence, communication skills, self-awareness, and an ability to navigate conflict. These qualities contribute to the overall health and success of a relationship. However, it is also crucial to recognize that individuals have different starting points and life experiences that shape their emotional development. While unresolved issues and insecure attachment styles can present challenges in intimate relationship, they do not diminish a person's inherent worth or potential for growth. It is essential to approach relationships with empathy, understanding, and as Andy said, a willingness to support each other's personal journeys, the growth journey as well as the challenge journey. Sometimes people are there for the end result. They want to be like, yeah, yeah, congrats. But when it's time for you to put the shovel in the ground, I'll I'll be back. I got something to do. Listen, I want to know. Value for value, right? Are you struggling with the prize dilemma? What happens when you view yourself or your partner as the prize? Value for value. Why do some people compete with each other's perceived value within intimate relationships? We're going to the phone lines right now. Freddie, Fred, Fred from Northridge. Hey, you got to turn your radio down, Fred, so I can hear you. I just turned it. I just turned it down. Fred, welcome back to the show, man. It's good to be back, Zoe. I had to do a couple of Houdinis in order to get to this phone and to get back with y'all. You know, Fred went through some things. Fred been humbled. Okay, good. Good. That meant you learned. Yeah, I learned. You better for it? Thanks to you. (laughs) Thanks to you. No, don't thank me, sir. Don't thank me. Well, brother, you gave me the tools for me to reconfigure my life. Well, that's cool, man. That's a hell of a compliment. It was a plumbing project. Okay. All right. (laughs) Fred, hey, Fred, I just want to say this, man. We love you, man. 
Do you know that, right? Hey man, I love y'all. Hey man, I love everybody in the Zoe family, baby. We we hey, we family. So can I ask you real quick? I just went. Do you see yourself uh-huh. as the prize, or is your woman the prize? My woman the prize. There we go. Come on, Fred. Fred. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Uh, I love she, it. She she was very patient with me. Mm-hmm. And she saw that hey, I had a lot of potential, mm-hmm. right? But I had to figure out for myself because mm-hmm. nobody else could fix me but me. Look at that, and she stuck with you. Yeah, she stuck with me. Man, don't make it she seem like it. that they they just stick with you now. Don't do that. No, 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 no. <laughs> she 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 pretty much. We had some really honest, open conversations that's good that's good and i had to take them one two punches a couple times on the chin Mm -hmm. because i really didn't want to see myself in that way but then again i realized that hey you are what you are i love it fred i love it fred you sound healthy you sound good fred you know what you just did man do you know uh-uh. You just brought Northridge in the building. Look, if you want to bring your city in the building, all you got to do is call me at 1-800-920-1580. The voice of reason is on fire tonight. We're talking about the prize dilemma. I think in a toxic society, whatever society labels a prize might be a trap. Yes, this is a sick society. Don't front like it isn't. listen when we come forward we're going to continue this national discussion we got denver colorado on the line we got austin texas on the line if you want to bring your city in the building you know what you got to do all you got to do is call me again open non-judgmental space where we allow for people to share be transparent. You will not be judged for what you say it's not about me agreeing or disagreeing with you Just don't curse. When I come forward, the national discussion continues. I'm Dr. Orion Taraban, and this is Psychax, Better Living Through Psychology. The topic of today's short talk is the trap of the high-value woman. So I'm very happy to report that I've been doing a lot of consultations with women these days. I love doing consultations with women because I love helping women see things from a man's perspective. This is important because just like in marketing, you kind of have to see things from the perspective of your potential customers so that you can make a value proposition that resonates with them. Insisting that people should simply buy what you're selling independent of their own wants and needs doesn't work. So seeing things from a man's perspective will help women get the kinds of relationships that they want from the men they want to have those relationships with. Now, a certain issue has come up repeatedly in these consultations, so I thought I'd make an episode about it. Because if several women in the recent past have been struggling with this issue, chances are very good that many, many women are currently struggling with the same issue right now. And it kind of goes like this. Usually, these women come to me and they say, Orion, I'm in my 30s, and I understand that my time is limited. I'm ready to have a family in the next year or two, and I need your help to make that happen. And I say, great, let me help you do that. So let's do a little role play. Let's say that you're you, and I'm the guy that you want to make things happen with, okay? 
if you come to me like this, I'm going to say something like, all right, I just met you not too long ago, and this is a little pushy, but okay, I'm willing to move things along to fit your timeline. Let's say I'm willing to give you a lifelong commitment and to provide for you and the children. I make a lot of money, a lot more than you do, which is probably part of the reason why you singled me out. So your quality of life should improve considerably if I take you on. Now, what will I expect to receive in return? And this question stumps a lot of women. Usually they first come back with some really high level stuff, like I'm intelligent and educated and I would make a really supportive partner. And in my role play, I respond, okay, well, that might be the case. But I already have a lot of support in my life. I have a therapist and a lawyer and a priest and various professional consultants. Each one is an expert in his or her field and are specialized in the functions they serve in my life. No offense, but I don't think you're going to give me better advice than they can in the domains in which I consult them. So that's not actually something that I need from you. And then the women start to cotton on a bit and they say, oh, okay, well, I can give you children, right? Those people can't do that. And I respond, well, almost any woman could give me children. Are you going to be a mother? Are you willing to quit your job and raise those kids? Most of the time, the women are frightened by that prospect and they reply, no, I'm not willing to give up my career or I would expect you to do your share of the childcare too. And so I counter, so you're telling me that you're willing to be a surrogate and that I'll end up paying someone else to raise my children so that you can make a little more money at your job? Listen, you, you don't have to agree with Orion. But he, he does make you think. And, and, and the reason why I played that clip in particular is this. And then I'm going to the phone lines. Do you know what he just did? He just perfectly articulated Western society. So back to Zoe Williams and Krishnamurti. It is no measure of health to be fully integrated into a sick society. So when I date a woman or hear a woman and she sound like the streets, she sounds like, you understand, Western society. It's a big turnoff for me. Do you understand what I'm saying? For me, I'm like, do you know what you sound like? Right? I, I'm... I'm Listen, he said, oh, you're not being realistic, Zoe. You still got to pay the bills. You still got to take care. Sure. Sure. But I don't want you to sound like the streets, like the toxicity of America. I don't want you to sound transactional. I don't want you to sound like you're with me for a guarantee. I don't want to I don't want you to sound like a relationship bondsman. Right. Or a relationship debt collector. I don't want you to sound like that. I want you to sound loving. I want you to appreciate me. I want you to uh, support me. I want you to pour into me. I want you to love on me, acknowledge me, respect me. I want that. Sex me. Come on. That's what I want. But if you come in with expectations and demands sounding like a relationship banker, see, he's not incorrect. He's just like a white version of Kevin Samuels. And what did I say about Kevin Samuels? I said Kevin Samuels was 100% right from a certain level of consciousness. 
I said, Kevin Samuels is like the 48 laws of power for relationships. That's what I said. So if you come in sounding like, yo, take care of this and handle that and then, you know, oh, hold on. Make me feel like we building something together. Make me feel like you are something in my life that's more valuable than everything I've acquired on my own. Ooh, ooh. That's a skill, by the way. 1-800-920-1580. The voice of reason about to get started. You know I want to hear from people. Who been on the longest? Callie Soul. Callie, get in here. Hey, though. What's happening? <laughs> oh, wait. This is a good one here. This is a good one. Yeah. I thought, um, first of all, each person has to just have the courage enough to be an individual. Provide for yourself. Enjoy your life. You know, and um, build what, what you're going, you know, like think about your legacy and whatever you've done. Along the way, you know, those accomplishments that people like to throw around, instead of being so boisterous as to to yell from the mountaintop what you have and what you do, mm-hmm. figure out what your contributions are going to be with what you have and what you do and what you've learned and mm-hmm. everything that you've garnered. What, what, does, what do your contributions now look like to this partnership? Mm. Do I want to build with this person? You know, like, and another thing is like the competition just comes from the ego because we, we don't realize we're constantly creating or manifesting as people want to call it. So it's like a lot of times we'll manifest a person, a situation in front of us. But then as soon as we manifest it, we get busy telling ourselves the story that we don't deserve it. And that shows up. You know, so that's that's where the competition comes from because it's like, oh no, <clears throat> people don't literally sit up and say, "I don't believe what I just manifested." You can't be, you know, for me. They just start picking the situation apart. Mm. Well, yeah, it doesn't work because this is not there. Mm-hmm. Oh, it doesn't work because they're not going to do that. They don't look like this. They don't have this. Blah 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 blah. And it's like. You're constantly creating. You just manifested the person that you're to build with at this point in your life with this level of consciousness that you have. So believe it and move forward. And let's pick up our tools and let's create. I love it, Callie. Guess what you just did? Okay, I bought Denver into the building. Denver, Colorado is in the building. If you want to bring your city in the building, all you got to do is call me at 1-800-920-1580. The national discussion continues when I come forward. Ladies and gentlemen, you already know what it is. My playlist is my co-host. You already know, right? Isn't that interesting how you get Wildflower by New Birth? And then you get something for the people. My love is the itch. And it's basically a remake of the same song, but it's a totally different song. The playlist is on fire tonight, and so is the discussion. We got people on the line, man. Something very heavy that uh, Callie Soul was talking about. Let me just say this. A high-value person is someone who 
loves on their humanity, has accepted their demons, as well as makes space for yours. A high-value person knows how to be in a relationship with another human being. It's easy to be in a relationship with a resource, a she-source, a he-source, right? They got things that I want. It's easy to be in a relationship with somebody like that. But then guess what? It's very difficult to be in a relationship with their humanity simultaneously especially if they got a lot of work to do. So what makes them high value? What they have or who they are? Many people get it twisted, right? What makes you a high value person? I want to know. What makes your partner a high value person? Can we get into it? Reggie, Austin, Texas, get in here. Um, I think we got to look at it. Well, I'm going to look at it a little bit differently. You always do. Uh, That's why I love your (laughs) calls, man. Man. Man, um, I can't get my value from outside of myself. Huh. It has to come from me. Okay. Um, because I, I'm the only one that knows what I went through to get to where I am, and 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 what I'm working through now. All of us are doing the best we can with what we have. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially you know at this time of the year, we try to measure benchmarks with other people and the image. And I'm I'm battling an image, but I'm battling it with real stuff. Mm. And that's not fair to me or to you. Mm. Um, so, man, I was watching this interview with, with Mick Jagger, and I was from the 60s, and they asked him if the Stones were better than the Beatles. And he was like, it's no competition. And they asked him why, and he said, because I don't know what they're trying to do. Ooh. Bro, I don't, know what, I don't know what anyone else is trying to do, so I can't measure value because I don't even know what your intentions are. Mm-hmm. You know them. And you know the stuff that you had to work through to get to where you are right now. The dec- and most of the decisions that were made, you had nothing to do with. You had nothing to do with where you were born, what you were born into, how you were born, um, you know, what your parents were doing while you were, while you were born, mm-hmm. like what they were thinking about and what they were going through. Mm-hmm. You were just born into that. Mm-hmm. You can't think you hit a triple and you were born on third base. You right. Know what I'm saying? <laughs> that, that's not that's not accurate. Right. 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 The most accurate thing you can do is the best you can with what you have, and that's different for everybody. Mm-hmm. So all I can do is look at you, and as far as potential, bro, as long as you're breathing, you have potential. Mm-hmm. So when the light comes on, it comes on. Now the best I can do is be there with you to to celebrate with you when the light t- comes on. Mm. Mm, but, That's all I can do. And remind you that I was there when the lights were off so you wouldn't Absolute. be alone. And that's value. Value for that, value. That is value. And it's, it's, I think that's better, more value, because I can, I'm not giving you something because I'm expecting something back from you. Mm. I'm giving you something knowing you can't repay me. Mm. That's, that's true. That's huge value. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And if you do that, I guarantee you will always find something to celebrate. Wow. This is real. Reggie! Guess what you just did, my brother? <laughs> brought Austin in the building. You Talk brought you Austin, Texas in the building. If you want to bring your city in the building, you know the protocol. You know the routine. one 800 Reggie always calls in and cooks with the rarest grease. Can we get another in here? Hey, JW, South Central Los Angeles, I need to talk to you right now. 
JW. JW. All right, we lost. You got to call back, brother. You got to call back. All right, that's fine. We'll move over. Attila, Houston, Texas. Get in here. Uncle Zoe, what's going on? Yes, what are your thoughts on tonight's topic, my good friend? Oh, you know. Well, okay. So <laughs> why do we compete with <laughs> why do we compete with each other's perceived value? I mean, are we competing with each other or are we competing with ourselves? Shadow versus light. Right? If I'm wanting my light to shine more and I dim the darkness, it doesn't go away, it just grows. So who am I really competing with? I feel like like low key it would be me trying to prove a point to myself hmm. that I'm a good person. Hmm. But that's what most breakups are based on, proving a point to yourself. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's all <laughs> ego. I'm better than that. I whatever goofy stuff we tell ourselves, I guess, right? But I mean, again, why are we seeing ourselves as competitors? Like off rip to me, that's weird. That right. means you walked into it in a like state of defiance, which is strange. A state which of would defiance. mean that you think that love is yeah, like you think love is maybe love is a battlefield for that particular individual. Like it's a place of fear and uncertainty, so they arm up and they walk out armed wait, up. Wait, wait before you finish your thought. Uh, uh-uh, uh, we can't let that love is a battlefield reference go. Andy, I'm going to need you to pull up Pat Benatar, Love is a Battlefield, and we're going to play that underneath Atala for the rest of her time here. So, (laughs) 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 no, for real, though, listen, listen. If you listen to all the talking points about high value, it's coming from society. And I'm not saying... Don't aspire to be great in society. I'm not saying don't go get the job. Don't go get the degrees. Don't go get the money, the career. Do all of that. But that doesn't necessarily make you high value. No disrespect to to my man 50. But I remember when 50 was on fire, he got an NAACP award. I said, did y'all listen to the album? Or are you just acknowledging the record sales? And the money generated. Did you hear the content in Get Rich or Die Trying? Like, do you understand? But in a toxic system. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm listening. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I mean, you're right. It's like of all people. But again, I guess that just goes to show you people will um, ascribe value to you based on what they value. So it can never really be a complete estimation. Like, it's kind of like the beauty is in the eye of the beholder type situation. I feel like it's the same thing with this whole idea of perceived value, which is why you people will overestimate their value and, like I said previously, price themselves out of their own market. Wow. Heavy stuff. Attila, sure. I want to dedicate this record to you. Turn it up. Voice of Reason is on complete fire. 
Attila Broad, Houston, Texas in the building. If you want to bring your city in the building, all you got to do is call me at 1-800-920-1580. We having a great conversation here. I love it. Let's get these callers in. Do we have time? Kind of no. Listen, JW from South Central called back in. So we're going to get to you, J-Dub, but we got to get to you on the other side. The Voice of Reason is on fire. We go into South Central when we come forward. High value woman's very simple. She's modest. She's demure. She's not a... She's not a liability. She go. cares about you. She loves you. She puts you as number one. A lot of American women have a problem with that. The whole media here is just like men ain't men are garbage body positivity all this nonsense that is absolutely detrimental towards men and women coming together i watch this from afar because i live in tokyo mm -hmm. and i watch what's happening in america 70 percent divorce rate it's insane so a high value woman is a woman that will protect the honor of her man yes. and add value to him it's like it says in i think it's proverbs <clears throat> 31 he who finds a good wife finds a good thing her value is more than rubies so all of these clips right don't get it twisted. Like, I know people are doing topical things like, oh, yeah, the high value woman and the high. Value. Listen, it's bidirectional. Everything he said about the woman, you could apply to the man, except the demure part and the soft. You know. But men have to be soft towards their women, too. Men have to be understanding towards their women. Men do have to create a safe space for them to be able to speak. And I know this from failing at it. Do you understand? Like the repercussions of not creating a safe space for your woman to be able to share what she really thinks of you. Right. If you can't do that, uh, it's very detrimental to your relationship because she will hold on to that. And I believe it makes you a high value man if you can make a space for her to really be able to pull your coattails and pull you to the side. Well, at the same time pouring love into you and nurturing you and your humanity to me again I, I want you guys to hear this all right because i i butcher it every time right but i've got the idea of what the great krishnamurti was saying you heard the guy in the clip basically allude to the fact that he lives in Ch uh, japan and he's watching american relationships from afar and you've heard me state this on numerous shows, but I want to read it exactly how it was originally stated. That was Danny Lee from Arkansas? Oh, okay. Or no, maybe it wasn't. And I don't know if 50 Cent's got a, a NAACP award. Can somebody look that up? I don't think he did. But he got some award. I know he got awards for that album. So the Krishnamurti quote goes like this. It is no measure of health to be well adjusted to a profoundly sick society. We live in a society that says love isn't enough. We live in a society that says trust is better to have than love. You know why? Because love really doesn't exist for a lot of people. Love is like the lottery. Love is like God. See, do you, you do know God is an insurance poly, policy for a lot of people. They go to church from a just-in-case perspective. Just in case all this stuff about Jesus and them was real, 
he could go back and check the ledger and see that I attended. Right? It's Christ insurance for a lot of people. A lot of people are not Christ-like. A lot of people are not invested in the concept and the precepts of what Christ actually was trying to manifest here on earth. He said it himself in the book of John. What did he say? You know, there's a lot I have to teach you. Unfortunately, you're just not ready to receive it. John 16. I'm going to send the comforter to finish the work because the work I'm trying to do, you're not ready for it. Right? So please understand, when you hear these clips, apply it unidirect, uh, bi-directionally, not unidirectionally. Men have to show up in a healthy, sane way in relationships, just like women have to show up. The, uh, it's unfortunate, but these are the clips that I found. But I want you to hear it again. It is no measure of health to be well-adjusted to a, a profoundly sick society. We are trying to meet benchmarks that toxicity set. So it's only natural, right, that we're going to compete against each other's value. A man may come into the relationship and say, I got all this money. I got all this bread. Bend the knee to show the proper respect because I'm going to take care of everything. A woman might not want to bend the knee, but will in order to have safety and trust and resources, or in this case, he sources. In intimate relationships, the comparison of each other's perceived value can lead to a toxic cycle of evaluation. On tonight's topic, we seek to explore the reasons behind this competition, the impact of social norms and gender expectations and strategies for cultivating self-worth without resorting to comparisons. The toxicity of comparing perceived value here. True or false, the comparison of each other's value leads to incessant toxic evaluation. It's true. When individuals consistently compare their worth within a relationship, it can create a toxic environment of evaluation, leading to feelings of inadequacy, insecurity, and resentment. This is the opposite of what we should be doing for each other in a relationship. Am I... Gender and perceived value. Whose perceived value is higher in an intimate relationship, men or women? Or does the answer depends on one's age? Here we go. Ageism, racism, sexism, classism. The perceived value in an intimate relationship is ultimately subjective and varies based on individual preferences and, uh, here it is again, societal influences. It is not solely determined by one's age. Are y'all listening? How do you cultivate self-worth in a toxic society that says you ain't nothing because you don't have something? But what if what you have is intangible? Like empathy, compassion, unconditional love, understanding, knowledge, wisdom, right? Self-love. Self-esteem, self-acceptance. Say you've conquered all of the demons in your spirit. How is that not quantified as more valuable than money? Oh, I know people don't want to have this conversation. We, we're not really comparing our value 
to our partner's value, you know what we're comparing? We're comparing our accumulated stuff to theirs. And if their stuff don't equal the amount of stuff we got, we'd be like, you ain't did nothing with your life. Look at you. If it wasn't for me, you wouldn't be safe. 1-800-9-20-15-80. I want to talk to everybody. Who's been in here the longest? JW South Central. Get in here. Hey, hey, so I'm glad I'm able to get back with you. Yeah. Okay, now here's my point. I would like to reiterate everything I always say. It's a European uh, structure and society that we adapt to, and it's actually like a psychological warfare or brainwashing or conditioning, or we accept that mentality, or and we are being, um, I would say, um, Condition and, and our minds are framed to what you would call a false value or false worth that's not really um, worth anything because it doesn't have no true value because true value is internal and not external or dictated to you or any uh, uh, fantasy or fictitious uh, narrative that's been um talk to you from an external uh, point of view by way of society. So real true value is God's uh, attributes, God's quality, God's worth, and you having some type of substance and characters and principles and morals and ethics and that type of uh, fiber. That's real value and real worth. And what uh, society or whoever controls or, or I would say, um, frame or create that condition or climate or try to, um, I would say, um, make us think that uh, something is uh, something of value is uh, based on society standards. And their mentality and what they think is worth it, that's something that's, uh, I would say, uh, what's the term I'm looking for? Um, well, you better find it, it quick. It, it, <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, but you follow, you follow where I'm going with this. I'm painting, I'm painting the world, you know. Yeah. So the, the bottom line is it's God's worth and internal and not external. That That's the primary point I'm trying to get out. And society dictates something that's not realistic or or genuine or real or real value. And it's secular. That's the word I was looking for. Secular. secular. Okay, I'll give you that. Well, JW, we got to push forward, but guess what you just did? Well, South Central, L.A. Uh, in in the building. Home, yes, sir. Hey, he said some good stuff. He said some good stuff. Listen, nobody is beating up society, okay? We have to pay bills. I'm just saying you don't put that over. Many of us put that over, paying bills and being socially mobile, right? We put that over all of the what I consider to be more uh, valuable aspects of relationship. But like I said, you can have everything in the world. You can win the lottery tomorrow and still, uh, you know, have four divorces. <laughs> you can still be married 
like uh, who was it? Elizabeth Taylor. She was married like seven, eight times, right? It could, it, it, I'm just saying, man. Just because you have things, external things, it doesn't mean you have this internal meaning. And I think those things trump what society has to offer. Now, what society has to offer can't be avoided. So I don't want people thinking that we're trying to minimize it to the point where you don't need it. I'm not saying we're cast away on an island somewhere and we don't need money and we don't need the Internet and we don't need leisure time. I'm not saying that. I'm saying it shouldn't take precedent over what can actually make you valuable. When I come forward... We got Mississippi, we got Hawaii, we got Dallas. We're all over the nation. The national discussion is bobbling. They use shaming tactics. Your mama black. You hate women. Shaming tactics. Shame, shame, shame. Shame is one of the four major arrows of a low value woman. It's part of a low value woman's pathology. You cross the board. I don't care what you have on paper. When women operate in these areas, they diminish their value to low. Because if you really have a good argument, you should not have to shame somebody. Shaming is just a way to get get control of the conversation. Mm. I'm guilty. I've done it. Shame is different than insults. Shame is about shame is using is is used to turn a, a positive into a negative. Shaming tactics, success shaming. Oh, well, you think you're better than everybody because now you lost weight or because you got some money. Shaming tactics meant to keep you stuck. People who can't win the argument tend to use shaming tactics. Another sign of a low value woman is she often. Let me just say, man, that's the legendary Kevin Samuels. Many people confused me with Kevin Samuels. And, oh, you, you anti-black woman. Uh, he, yeah, I, I done got that. I done got that before. Right? Again, uh, again, so if you look at, if you listen to the clip, like, critically, like, right, with a, you know, with a critical mind, what you're going to see is that the topic is, framed for a male audience right what's a low value woman but if you listen to his answers this is why i acknowledged me having moments you know of using shame to get con uh, control over a conversation right if you listen to his answers his answers again are bi-directional men and women use shame to try to control a conversation or to get control over a conversation. These are human behaviors, not just a woman, but men do it all the time, right? Uh, men do it with money. Men do it physically. So a lot of times, man, some of this stuff, man, like we, we just want to hear it from our side sometimes. Yeah, get the women. But it goes both ways. To be a high-value person, you've had to have overcome something internally, in my opinion. We've got so many callers. I want to get them on quick, and I want people to get their thoughts on who's been on the longest true monger, Dallas, Texas. Get in here! Yes, sir. 
My brother, talk to me. Oh, man. The things that people got things backwards as far as values go, in my opinion, because they do concentrate more on the societal stuff and trying to one up each other and throw stuff in people's faces. Like, man, that's not to me, that's not where the real value is. The real value is your character, Mm. all the money and the so called trinkets and whatnot. That's just going to reveal your character Mm. one way or, or another. This is going if you got the money, is it going this is going to expose what was already there. Mm-hmm. So I value a person's character more than that. Anybody, you can go you can go get a job and stack your money up and buy a whole bunch of stuff. That don't mean you're a decent human being. That don't mean you know how to act. You ain't act right. Mm-hmm. So I pay attention to the person first, and then if it comes out that they value things and societal ideals and all this stuff more than than their humanity or what is it, whatever they consider real humanity and not just going by what other people are telling them to go by. Mm-hmm. That's always going to cause an issue with me. I love it, brother. I... You're not paying attention. Yeah. To me, you're not paying attention to yourself. Mm. You're not paying attention to what really matters going through life. Yeah, it's cool to have cars and clothes and jewelry and try to look good all the time. It, it's cool, but put this stuff in its place. Mm-hmm. Keep things in proper perspective. If you're late, what's good, what's, what's good having all that stuff if your relationships ain't worth nothing? I love it. I love it, brother. I love it. True monger, guess yes, what you just did. This brought Dallas in the building. Dallas, Texas. Texas always shows up big time on the voice of reason. Dr. David R. Hawkins says something quite profound in his book, Power Versus Force. Fear is a level of consciousness to be addressed where it is at, not in its expression and extension into the world. Fear of this, fear of that, and not trying to handle it on the level of the particular, but handling it instead as a level of consciousness. Now, please understand what he's talking about here. In his book, Power Versus Force, what he said was, fear is the pervasive level of consciousness that is on planet Earth. Fear, uh, on his scale of consciousness, on his consciousness grid chart, comes in at the number 100. His consciousness grid uh, starts at 20 at shame, right? Then you have guilt, and then it goes on up, and by the time you get to 100, it's fear. Why do you think trust and safety is such a big deal in relationships? Because you live in a fear-based reality. You live in a fear-based world. Everything is coming after you. Everything is going to attack you. Everything is going to hurt you, right? So if you look at Dr. David Hawking's work, He's basically saying even at the level of fear consciousness, the step up is anger, right? Then you can get to pride. Then you can go higher. Then you can get to neutrality. But many people are afraid of losing what they got, even when they're in relationship, or afraid of not getting what they want. This is why safety matters 
on this plane of existence because fear is pervasive. We got callers. I want to get them in. John Gilbreth, Hawaii. Get in here. Uh, greetings and blessings, though. Greetings and blessings, chat. My brother. Uh, Merry Christmas to all. Uh, God bless all of you. Hope you all have a great, safe holiday. Uh, be safe. Stay dangerous. And now that I got that out of the way, are we really having this conversation, boss? Yeah, let's go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I want you to jump in here with both feet. Let's go. Intimate relationships where we're still wearing masks, boss. Talk to me. Intimate relationships. And the comparisons of what I do, really, boss? Yes, come on. Okay, maybe maybe Jesus coming back will will bring about something of this magnitude of maybe where you should have been standing. Ooh, here we possibly. go. Here we go. Come on. The, 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 the simple the simple fact is. If you're not ready to give up whatever it is you actually have, mm. to actually be ready for the place you're supposed to be at, that hey. intimacy you're looking for. Hey, come on. That intimacy you're looking for, uh, it, it's it's in you and you're not using it. <laughs> hey, do, do I hear a little? Once again, wait, I don't... wait, do I hear a little pessimism? Do you think it's so out of reach that you might as well settle for the back and forth power versus force, you know, uh, uh, 48 laws of power styled relationship where your resources is the thing that is respected and not you? Talk to me. Well, boss, again, I'm on an island. What are you what are you telling me? I, I, I live a spirit of Oahu. I, I live a, a spirit of aloha. We we greet each other with blessings and, and stuff. Yeah, we go through troubles, but we don't kill each other on on the aspect of it, and we keep that as a focal point in most places. So forgive me. I'm sorry. That's the, probably one of the reasons why I was put on this. Wait, stay probably with me. Stay with me, John. We got to go forward. But when we return, hey, when we come full circle after having gone forward, we got to go back to John because John is on fire. Let's go. All things being equal, men want as much sex and freedom for as little time, energy, and money as possible. And women want as much time, energy, and money for as little sex and freedom as possible. Behind all the fun and excitement, the courtship phase of a relationship, just like an extended hiring process, is basically two people figuring out what kind of business they can do together and negotiating what they're willing to give up for what they expect to receive in return. People will balk at this, but that's the way it is. It often doesn't seem like it's the way it is because just like in business, negotiating too explicitly is gauche. <laughs> oh man, Orion Terban is crazy, but he brings up great points. Let me get back over to my good friend John from Mountain View, Hawaii. You're listening to the VOR, the Voice of Reason, live on KBLA Talk 1580. Tonight's topic... Why do we compete with each other's perceived value? You think you're worth more than me? Huh? I think I'm worth more than you. What are your final thoughts, John? Get in here. Final thoughts on tonight's uh, topic. So 
uh, intimate relationships, first and foremost, there has to be some wounding of some sort and some revealing of others. And that won't take place until we actually become vulnerable and intimate with ourselves. So that mask is off. Mm. Till we're not competing. Mm. Till, till we're at the point to where I respect you, man. And the woman is loved at the safest place she could be. She could be at. Uh, will continue to be at these gauche terms, as was stated earlier. Wow. Hey, John. Guess what you just did. Mountain View is in the building. Blessings all. All the way in the building. If you want to bring your city in the building, all you got to do is call me at 1-800-920-1580. The more fear we have on the inside, the more our perception of the world is changed to a fearful, guarded expectancy. To the fearful, to the fearful person, the world is a terrifying place. To the angry person, the world is a chaos of frustration and vexation, as in, uh, you know, road rage. Uh, to the guilty person, it is a world of temptation and sin, which they see everywhere. What we are holding inside colors our world if we let go of guilt we will see innocence however a guilt-ridden person will only see evil right the basic rule is that we focus on what we have repressed dr david r hawkins letting go the pathway of surrender i need you to go deeper into your understanding a person who has this view that you know the more we have fear on the inside the more our perception of the world is changed to a fearful guarded expectancy when you're dealing with somebody that's a valuable person when they have a contextual nuanced perspective it's not black and white it's not well i was raised this way and you understand and you was raised that there's no uh, uh comparison and judgment brought into the situation relationships are a beautiful place for beautiful people to blossom if they would just unball their spirit and let go of everything they've been through you will discover a new person in the same person that's been there all along but many people would rather have a new person because they believe that the new person doesn't have <laughs> Let me get my caller in here because I will go on a tangent. One of my favorites is in the building. You know I love her. She always asks us to consider and think on certain things. Food for thought. Sister Nikki from Mississippi is in the building. Talk to us, Nikki, from the SIP. Brother though. And the fam. Yes, ma'am. What are your thoughts on tonight's discussion? Well, food for thought. Here we go. A definition of prize. A thing given as a reward to the winner of a competition or in recognition of an outstanding achievement. Is it possible in our societal environment 
we view our intimate partners as rewards or a reflection of something society says we have achieved some level, perhaps um, the gathering of things, the acquirement of a certain salary. When you talk about looking at value, the prize is really the the work we put in moving toward, for me, is Jesus, for some is source. Mm-hmm. When you put that effort into that place, all the values that really matter will come. And I'm saying that because when you do that work, the humanity of us will grow on a continuum because we're constantly cultivating that relationship, doing that work. Mm -hmm. And we will mature to a point where we understand that when I see that value in another human being, man, who has done some work and is matriculating, therein lies the value. And if he has that value, we can get all that other stuff. Mm -hmm. We can get cars and houses Mm -hmm. and all kinds of stuff Mm -hmm. if he has that value. Mm -hmm. But if I put him in the place of a thing, that's a reward from some conceptualized level I have achieved Mm -hmm. or as a prop for the representation of this achievement, well, see, now I've got the cart driving the horse. (laughs) Right. Go ahead. I'm listening. Because that's not where the real value lies. Uh, I think we talked about before, we, we as a society miss, and I realize we miss it because it's work. Involved. Wait, wait, wait. That's work. Yeah, that's work. Wait, Nikki from the SIP, I need you to build on that. But we got to go forward. When we come forward, we're going to talk to Nikki. She said, that's work. Are you saying people are avoiding the work and the work is accruing? Oh, my God. Here we go when we come forward. More from Nikki from the SIP. Ladies and gentlemen, that boy playlist is crazy. See, I know my playlist is good. When I look over and see Jill Monroe dancing, I go, yeah, I done did it. Ah, I'm on fire tonight. That's how I know. I be like, yeah, we killing tonight. Listen, one of my favorite callers is on the line right now and i want to get as much wisdom from this young lady as i possibly can i appreciate her contribution she calls in and she really gets me to think nikki from the sip please finish that thought you had before we came forward and now that we've come full circle please drop it on us i was just saying that we we are missing it because there's so much work involved in paying attention to what real value is Mm -hmm. it's easier we can be lazy we think Um, it doesn't cost us as much to focus on 
a person who may represent a level or the objectification of things. But to ferret out a human being's true value, that's time-consuming. I have to recognize that in myself, Mm -hmm. that all of that requires work. Mm -hmm. And society doesn't teach us that we want to do work. We want easy ways out. Right. Because most people are already under the pressure of working anyway. And to do that kind of work, then like Mr. Gilbreth was referring to, we have to recognize if we are missing value within ourselves first. Mm. What Mm. if we are in a value deficit internally ourselves? And then if we get to there, Mm -hmm. now we are forced to have to do something about that. (laughs) Well, it's easier if I get it off of me and outside of me and on to somewhere or someone else. Mm -hmm. That's easier. It doesn't require as much work. So you're basically, (laughs) I mean, because my mind is blown right now. You're basically saying for many people. They are dating. <laughs> Wait a minute. This is hard to even for dating, marrying, whoever, uh, th- whichever one. But they're dating somebody that they want to carry the load, the internal right. load. Can you please expound on that? Yes, because it's easier for we, especially if you've grown up focusing or in an environment where society matters most, Mm. it's way easier to do that than to do your own work. I mean, they teach young people that in school, plagiarism. And, you know, you get some other little person to do your homework for you, you might pay them or you might not, might just beat them up just so they'll submit. Same thing. Mm. And and why would we, if society rewards us continually for what's pretty and, you know, the best car and the right neighborhood and the correct salary and, you know, you got the brand new kicks all the time and it all looks good. The external packaging tells us, wow. Mm. Yeah, but you peel that first layer of the onion back and, man, <laughs> it's not enough Altoids on earth for you to be able to deal with that. Ooh-wee. This is heavy. You Have you seen it? I know I've seen it. My goodness. Pushing we off see your, it all the time. Pushing off your internal workload onto your partner. Sure. And that that opens the door for the other things you were talking about, like shame, for instance, because that's an easy one to get to real quick. Mm-hmm. That's that's really easy to do. So and it also deflects. Right. So I got to ask you this question, because when I say why do some of us compete with each other's perceived value with an intimate relationship? In fact, would you say we're not competing with each other's value? We're probably competing. The wounds are competing. The The wounds Correct. are trying to establish a hierarchy and a pecking order. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Because we never get to what the real value is mm. if we can perpetuate something else. 
<laughs> There's that Satan clause again. Come on. If we can keep us off of what is really permeating under the surface and make it about this surface stuff, mm. then neither party ever really gets to expose the full human being. That's why everybody's ready to go at the first sign of trouble. But that's but Nikki, you pointed it out right now. Most people don't want to be with a full human being. That's right. And they don't because that requires work. It requires effort. <laughs> if I can't look in the mirror and see me for real, how do you really expect me? I have put all this effort and energy into everything superficial and all this outside stuff. Mm. And now you want me to carry something real? Mm. Oh. Mm. 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 And it's a terrible place for a woman to be in competition in an intimate relationship with a man. Anyway, you that dude do not respond to that well. Mm. They don't want that from us as, as women. And we shouldn't be trying to put that signal out either. Right. Wrong position. We need to learn how to play our position properly. But you can't do that if you live in a place where society is telling you what value is. Mm. Wow. And That's you know, not where it comes from. And you know what's really heavy about what you're saying? This society says most men don't have a safe space to be vulnerable in their relationship <laughs> with their woman. When I say be vulnerable, I mean like open up and share their feelings really and let it out. Right. They might get called a whiner. They might get called out as whining. Oh, you whining too much. Maybe he's venting to you about mm -hmm. what has not been fulfilled in him in the interaction. He might get called a whiner. What are your thoughts? I created a space in my relationship where sometimes I have to be my husband's friend and sometimes I'm his wife. Mm. His friend can hear something and respond in a way, but his wife hears something totally different. Hmm. He doesn't need me sometimes when he has things to say to be his wife response. He needs me to be his friend response because he's telling me, something his wife is not going to be happy about hearing. <laughs> <laughs> but his friend wow. can can sit in the place of letting him say it wow. and express his feeling about it without giving him the wife response. Ooh, hey, I love it, Nick. Nick, we got to push forward, but my God. I hope you're this good tomorrow. Please call us. <laughs> you brought the sip in the building, Nikki from the sip. We appreciate each and every time she calls in. Listen, the fire's going to keep going. This two hours just flew right by. Guess what? Up next, my friend, your friend, my sister, your sister. You already know what it is. RSVP with Jill Monroe. The fire continues. Deuces.